Beloved church, happy Sunday. It is a rare occasion that a preacher preaches someone else's sermon, but that is where we find ourselves this week. My name is what is printed there in your bulletin because I'm the one standing in the pulpit. But this sermon is one that was prepared by Reverend Caroline Myers, and um, I want to be sure to credit her for the thoughtfulness and the preparation that she put into this message this week. Will you pray with me? God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing to you, you who are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Kalamazoo College has a tradition of chapel talks every Friday morning. Some years ago, at one of those talks, the chapel used the passage from 1 Corinthians that we heard this morning. And as it was read, various staff and faculty members each stood up and spoke one of the lines, lines that humorously at times applied specifically to them. First, a philosophy professor said, to one is given through the spirit the utterance of wisdom. Then a math professor continued, and to another, the utterance of knowledge according to the same spirit. The woman who administered student loans said, to another, faith by the same spirit. The school nurse came next with, to another, the gift of healing through the same spirit. And then laughter erupted as the administrator of the notoriously complicated foreign study program spoke out, and to another, the working of miracles by the same spirit. <laughs> I imagine if we were to think about it for a while, we could choose folks from this congregation who would also be just right for giving voice to one of those gifts that Paul mentioned. The entire prayer team could share their gifts of faith, for instance. Our confirmation class could express their gifts for wisdom. The most patient listeners among us could offer their gifts of discerning spirits. And how often have we given thanks for the way that our choir has brought us the gift of healing? Becky, of course, has dibs on the working of miracles. <laughs> gifts everywhere we turn. Really, turn, look around. What do you see shining out from the folks who are sitting here this morning? And don't forget to turn inward, too. Because while you are looking around at the gifts of others, someone else is looking at you and giving thanks for what you bring to this rich, diverse, complex, and gifted body that we know as the church. You, too, whoever you are, and wherever you are on life's journey, are a gift to this community. For the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at this body called the church through the lens of Paul's letters to the Corinthians, which is itself a serendipitous gift that the lectionary has dropped in our laps. Between now and the end of February, we get to explore Paul's communication with the church in Corinth 
who were also experiencing a time between times. If you have a chance, you might want to read through the whole of 1 Corinthians sometime to get the wider context for what we'll be reading on Sundays. Here's a little of that context to get us started. Corinth was a bustling commercial and transportation hub in Greece. And Paul had planted a church there just two or three years earlier. The church membership in Corinth reflected the diversity of the area. There were merchants and workers, practicing pagans and faithful Jews, locals and transplants, slaves and slave owners, aristocrats and commoners. While Paul had been with them, he had been able to gather them as one, to teach them about their new life together in Christ. But now he had been gone a while, planting other churches, and this community in Corinth had some questions. Sorry, find my spot. Ah, it was easy to slip back into old habits. Were they really supposed to welcome everyone? When they shared communion, who got to go first? How were they supposed to resolve disputes? And what about the women? (laughs) To these and other questions, Paul offered his pastoral teaching and theological reflection. But it's important to recognize that reading his letters is a little bit like listening to one side of a telephone conversation. Paul likely had letters from the church in front of him when he wrote and tried to address their particular concerns with a wider view of what it meant to be made new as Christ's disciples. It's also important to note that while the Corinthians' questions aren't necessarily the same questions we would ask, Paul's responses still have wisdom for us to glean and to take to heart. Next week, we'll be looking at Paul's brilliant metaphor of the church as the body of Christ. But he gets to that point by first addressing questions about spiritual gifts. Maybe it goes without saying, but I'm going to say it anyway, that a gift is not a transaction where there is an expectation of return, although some might differ. Maybe you've seen the TV show Big Bang Theory, where there is an exchange between a theoretical physicist named Sheldon and his partner, Penny, or his neighbor, Penny. When she brings over a few small Christmas presents for him and his roommate, Sheldon says, wait, you bought me a present? Why would you do such a thing? Penny answers, I don't know, because it's Christmas? (laughs) And Sheldon responds, oh, Penny, I know you think you're being generous, but the foundation of gift-giving is reciprocity. You haven't given me a gift. You've given me an obligation. (laughs) Paul, however, is not talking about a tit-for-tat here. Unless, perhaps, it is the mutual obligation for members of the church to care for one another. He begins this passage with, Now concerning spiritual gifts. And most scholars agree that wherever Paul uses the phrase, now concerning, he's responding to questions that were initially sent to him in letters that we no longer have. 
Apparently, even though Paul had initially taught the church that there were no hierarchies in the body of Christ, it appears that there were indeed ideas about competition and whose spiritual gifts were better than whose. Paul's language, however, highlights his understanding that spiritual gifts have nothing to do with what belongs to who and everything to do with who we belong to. And Caroline has a note here that I can say authentically um, applies to myself as well. She says, I'm a bit of a word nerd here, so thanks for humoring me. What's translated as spiritual gifts is actually just one word, pneumaticos. It's an adjective meaning of or belonging to the spirit. Paul sprinkles it all throughout his letters, using it more widely than any other New Testament writer, underscoring his belief that all we are and all we are capable of comes from God. I don't know how his first century audience would have interpreted that word as they read his letter, but imagine for a moment if instead of now concerning spiritual gifts, our translation began now concerning belonging to the spirit. To my mind, that changes the whole equation. It's clearly less about possessions and more about relationship. And the word that Paul uses that actually does mean gifts, charismata, comes from the root word charis, which means grace, God's unearned favor. The point for Paul is never about the gifts themselves or who has them. It is always about the way that these gifts reflect the giver. That same point is even made in Paul's grammar, which Caroline says she actually noted for the first time this past week after having studied this passage for decades. She says, the bad news here is how unobservant I must have been. The good news is I am still learning, as we all are. If you read through the beginning of chapter 12 again, you'll notice that God's spirit is the subject of all the verbs across the board, and the church are recipients. There are varieties of gifts, but it is the same God who activates all of them. To each is given the manifestation of the spirit. To one is given through the same spirit wisdom. To another and another and another is given knowledge, faith, healing, miracles, prophecy, discernment, tongues, interpretation, all by the same spirit. All these are activated by the one spirit who allots as the spirit chooses, and all these gifts are given for the common good. The emphasis, again and again, is that whatever our particular gifts, they originate and overflow from the abundant spirit of God. So wherever we turn to notice these various offerings around and within us, 
we are first to turn Godward in thanks and then outward in sharing. Not because we're obligated to, but because that is the nature of the God in whose image we are made to provide for the common good. Because we belong to the God who is love, pure relationship, our relationships are an embodiment of the same self-giving spirit of love. And because we belong to that God, we belong to each other. My gifts are meant to be used for your good and the good of others because that's what God does. Your gifts, which are countless, are meant for sharing because that's how God's spirit works. As we are seen and touched and shared by the living Christ, our water becomes wine for the gladness of all. A well-known African-American spiritual says it well. They will know we are Christians by our love. Paul gets to that point in chapter 13, which we'll read in a couple of weeks. But for now, let's ponder what it means for us in this church, this body, to recognize and share our particular gifts of love in this particular time between times. I wonder if you are aware of the gifts that you bring to this congregation. At staff meeting last week, each of us was asked to name something we brought to the church that wasn't necessarily about our job description. And the riches named, even in that small group, were remarkable. The ability to listen, to see the big picture, to offer welcome, to bring encouragement, to add light or calm or perspective or organization or good questions. As you looked around at folks seated near you earlier, what did you see? Not just an accountant or a student or a musician or a clerk. Those are the same outward categories that the Corinths were jostling, Corinthians were jostling with at first. What did you see on the inside, though? What do you see in your neighbors that makes them shine? Patience, maybe? Or the ability to say exactly the right word at the right time? Maybe it's a passion for justice or a willingness to take risks it could be extreme kindness or the capacity for corralling diverse thoughts into a coherent whole. Maybe it's holy impatience when wrongs need to be put to right. Perhaps it's persistence or love for children 
or the willingness to do whatever needs to be done to finish the job. Maybe it's the ability to sit with the unknown in trust that God is already moving us toward the wholeness and joy of God's promise. Of course, all organizations have people in them with varying talents. What sets the church apart, though, is that we see these not primarily as abilities that enable us to do our business with pride. Instead, what we see in ourselves and each other is a fountain of gifts, all reflecting some part of God, the giver, who made us and to whom we belong, and who enables us to share God's goodness with joy. God is the subject of all the verbs that make us who we are. The Corinthians needed to be reminded of that. Perhaps we do too. Though not because we are competing for first place in the gifts competition. Rather, as we are in this somewhat uncertain time between pastors and still in the midst of a pandemic, it's easy to forget our center and to slip back into relying on our familiar cultural mindsets. We need the business to continue. We've got to make the bottom line. We've got to check all our boxes. We're afraid of losing members. All those thoughts put us at the center of a win-lose transaction, where the emphasis is on our obligation to make it work. But gifts are not obligations. What if instead we used this time to focus on where God has already been at work? And not only at work, but at play, delivering gifts galore all around us. What if the first question we asked whenever we gathered for a meeting wasn't what's on the agenda, but where are we noticing the Spirit's generosity in our midst? What if we enter this time with curiosity about how God wants us to open the gifts God has already given for our common good, remembering that those gifts are never about possessions and always about relationship? We belong to God. We belong to each other. And that is the greatest gift of all. Amen? Amen.